0: We've been in a, a teaching seven, a series called Rhythm. Um, rhythm is, uh, it, it's all about timing and, and tempo and, and, and patterns and, and flow. And this series uh, was born kind of out of a. Uh, uh, last year we taught on Mark, and I saw this rhythm in Jesus' life, this, this rhythm of. of uh, of work, uh, and, and when he was working, he was all about his work, and people were constantly coming around him, and he was teaching. He knew what his work was. He was engaged in his work, but he also, the rhythm of his, his day also included a rhythm of rest and a rhythm of prayer. So we've talked about work, and we, we talked about this, this idea of chopping wood and carrying water. This, the, the Bible actually says a lot about, about work, uh, a lot more than I thought. That we're created for work, but we're supposed to work willingly, enthusiastically. Our, our, our job is to work for the Lord. Maybe you do the same task as the person next to you at your office, but the reason and the motivation you do those tasks is different because our work is not for people. Our work is for the Lord. Last week we talked about rest, which I'm no good at. <laughs> I was easy, it was easy to talk about work, but I was up here talking about rest, thinking, man, I need this, I need this. I, the, the teacher became the student last week for sure. And this idea of rest, and again, the Bible says so much about rest, and in the Old Testament, this idea of rest is this idea of opening our hands, of letting go of things, trusting God with everything, and, and rest confronts our idols, our, our sense of accomplishment, and to, our, our desire to build and control. Uh, rest confronts our own self-importance. The reason we can't stop is because we're too important. And we talked about this idea of, of rest. As you Take as many vacations as you want, but there is no true rest outside of him. Jesus is the possessor of rest. Remember, we read those powerful words. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I see this rhythm of of work and rest, and, and today we're going to talk about a rhythm of prayer, but uh, I really need uh, some, some help with today's teaching, so I need some volunteers to, to help me out. Do I have anybody that's brave that wants to help me out? I, I just need two volunteers, really, it's going to be super easy. Um, Nathaniel, thanks, brother. Thanks for volunteering. You guys want to give Nathaniel a hand as he comes up here to help me out? And, uh, and AJ, oh man, AJ, thank you so much. Let's celebrate these guys, all right? AJ and Nathaniel, don't say you hate me. That's not... All right, um, you guys are going to have a really easy job today. Uh, I'm going to give you chairs. It's not going to be too bad at all. I just want you both to take a seat right here, something like that. And I'm going to give you a job that's something I'm sure you've done a hundred times before, I have some potatoes that need peeling. Now, moms, have they ever done this before? They going to know how to do this? Yeah. All right, so here's a peeler for you. It is sharp. We have a first aid kit, but don't hurt yourself. All right, and here's your sack of potatoes. And what I'd like you guys to just start working on is take a potato. I even have some napkins for you if you need some. And the peels, no, that's not how you hold Yeah, there you go. And these fingers stay out of the way. There you go. It will also take the skin off fingers. And you kind of push down. There you go, just like that. We got a whole sack of potatoes. Want them nice and clean. Keep your fingers out of the way. Peels go in there. And uh, the potatoes, after you peel them, can go in these containers right here. So here's a container for AJ, your, your, your pile of peeled potatoes. Nathaniel, your pile. You're going to have to push down a little bit. Here you go. Use your muscles. There you go. Push. Be strong. Be brave. Woo, it's going to take a while, guys. Um, So here are your potatoes. You guys just, and you got your containers. You got your napkins. You guys set. Easy. Perfect. You guys just keep working on that, and I'm going to talk about prayer. Um. What can I say about prayer that you haven't already heard a thousand times? Um, we we know that this was a part of Jesus' rhythm. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Often Jesus withdrew to to the wilderness for prayer. In Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verses 35, it says, Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. The New Testament talks a lot about prayer, especially this, this kind of Disciplined habit, uh, uh, this, this uh, practice, this rhythm of praying. In, in Romans chapter 12, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago. And in Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on. What's the word? And maybe you've heard even more familiar out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. So when I read these words, um, I immediately have, I have questions. Uh, and maybe some of you are th- thinking those same questions. Uh, how many of you are, are praying without ceasing? How many of you have stopped praying? Or, or are you just kind of doing it in this kind of same kind of constancy? And so I have, I have questions of, like, what does it mean when he says never stop praying I overanalyze everything, so I want to quantify and qualify, never stop. Well, does never mean never, right? Or is this just like, you know, just practice it kind of all the time, or, or does never mean uh, every second or every breath? Is it, like, is it like being on the phone, don't interrupt me, I'm praying. Could, could we make a deal with this never? How about five times a minute? or or six times an hour. And what about when I go to the bathroom? Does that count or is that different time? Imagine if you you put this into your your iCal or your Outlook calendar. Never stop praying. So 701 wake up, pray. 702 pray. 703 pray. Or imagine like you get these this reminder every minute of the day to to pray. My first question is How am I supposed to get anything done? Right? If all I'm doing is praying, I mean, that's good, but. So my best guess is, I don't think when the Bible says pray without ceasing, it it, it is a commentary on frequency or quantity. I I think it's a mistake to think of prayer as a task to be completed. Man, check that off. I prayed 157 times a day. Yes, yes. Instead, what if prayer is is a kind of vehicle? The question isn't, did we say, did, did you say enough, but did your prayer bring you to the proper destination? Stay with me. What if prayer is like one of those bullet trains in Japan? Have you seen these things? These, these trains go like 200 miles an hour and they instantly or, or as quick as possible bring you to this destination. What if that's what, what prayer is supposed to be except for bringing us to a city or a town or, or a location? What if, what if prayer is this vehicle that brings us instantly, 200 miles per hour, into the presence of God? Then prayer wouldn't be about quantity I mean, I, I can make you repeat the Lord's Prayer again and again and again and again and again for an hour, right? You could do that. The question would be, though, did it, did it bring you, did it, did it create some sort of, you know, Michelangelo's ceiling, of some moment of connection with you and God? Did, did it bring you to a greater awareness of Him there in, in your life, in, in the moments of your life? You guys are doing good. A.J. is way out in front. Although we're not... Oh, he was. All right, we'll, we'll, we, we didn't see that. So what if prayer isn't about quantity? But it, it's, it's about becoming somehow more conscious of God with us, Emmanuel. So there's this word... Um, It's an extra-biblical word. That just means it was coined after the writing of the Bible. It's it's a word used by Jewish rabbis and later adopted by Christians. Uh, And the English kind of transliteration uh, is is shekinah. Have you heard of this word? Shekinah is adopted from the Hebrew word, which means to dwell or cause to dwell. And shekinah means presence. While This word shekinah never appears in the Bible. Its its concept is is all over the pages of Scripture. Moses is at the burning bush. He is in the shekinah of God. Are you with me? When the Israelites are in the wilderness, what guides them by day and night? A cloud and fire. They knew that God's shekinah was with them, right? When the cloud settled on the mountain, who did they know was there? The presence of God. When the, when the cloud settled on the temple or the tabernacle, it was the presence of God. He knew, they knew he was there. They knew he was near. In the New Testament, who embodies this idea of Shekinah? Jesus, right? John says, the word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. The existence of God through Jesus Christ is now, the shekinah of God is right with us. And when Jesus dies on the cross, the temple curtain, that that curtain that separated man from God is torn in half from top to bottom, right? This thing that separated us from God has now been destroyed. And once again, we enter into, we have the ability to enter into his shekinah. And when the church is beginning in Acts, in the very second chapter, the disciples are in a room praying, and you remember what happens. The Holy Spirit in like flaming tongues comes and settles on them, and there's the, the uh, rushing wind and the sound of fire, and all the people run. And they have a brush with shekinah. You know, in the New Testament, when, when Christians prayed or when they worshiped, when they were charitable, when they studied God's word, they expected to have... This brush, they expected to to somehow be drawn into the presence of God. There was this uh, a great church father named Brother Lawrence, uh, a French like monk kind of guy. Seventeenth century, he fought in the Thirty Years' War and was was nearly fatally injured. He was he was crippled. He had had like chronic pain his whole life, and he and he entered a monastery. Uh, I, I, we have kind of some artist renderings of maybe what he looked like. He was born um, Nicholas Herman, but everyone knows him as Brother Lawrence. Have you guys ever heard of him? Brother Lawrence uh, uh, is, uh, is described as a clumsy man, an awkward fellow who broke everything. I think kind of like a clumsy Friar Tuck. I don't know, I don't know if that, that, that helps you kind of picture who he is. His life in the... Man, you guys are having issues. (laughs) Keep going. His life in the monastery wasn't easy. Like I said, he was injured, had chronic pain his whole Mm. life. Um, You guys are doing great. Keep going, man. You guys are rocking it. He worked repairing sandals. And for more than 15 years, he worked in in the monastery kitchen, which he hated. He lived a difficult life, full of challenges. But in the face of many trials, and the only reason we know about him today is he found something incredible. In his own words, he found an uncomplicated way to walk continually in God's presence. His writings and letters were found after his death speak to this way of life in the shekinah of God. He is known most today as the the compilation of his letters and writings go under the title, The Practice of the Presence of God. Have you ever heard of this? Brother Lawrence actively sought to to harness his mind, to direct his thoughts towards God. He, He taught himself to enter into the kind of ongoing, consistent conversation with God, placing every thought, every activity before him. And what he discovered, bluntly stated, go ahead and put up some of these quotes. Maybe you've heard these quotes before. He was the first one to ever say, we do not need to be in church to be with God. He even would go on to say, we we need to take contemplation out of the cloister. We need to take contemplation and prayer and meditation out of the church, out of the closet, and put it on the roads of the world. And of course, he would never discourage anyone from as Jesus put it, you know, to when you pray, go into a room and shut the door. He, he would never discourage that. But at the same time, he warned about a kind of religious practice uh, or, or religious practices while not accustoming ourselves to a continual conversation, a continual practice of the chicana of God and freedom and simplicity. How many of you after your morning quiet time? You have your morning quiet time? Your coffee and your Bible and your comfortable armchair and your little lamp. How many after your morning quiet time with God kind of leave him there and then go about the normal task of your day? You see, Brother Lawrence discovers that, that he did not need set times of prayer because he discovered a way to never stop praying. Listen to what he said. He said, The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed Sacrament. What he says was, it didn't matter if there were people in the kitchen clinging pans and banging pots. It didn't matter if there were waiters and calling different orders and cooks were yelling at each other. He said, it didn't matter even if I was peeling potatoes. But even in that moment, even in the mundane and the boringness and the, and the redundant moment of my life, even in that moment, he said, I possess God in as great tranquility as I did in the moment of communion. So, guys, how are we doing? AJ is way ahead. AJ, you're welcome to come to my house and peel potatoes anytime. So let me ask you guys, as you've been peeling, uh, have, you, have you felt closer to God? Or have you just felt angry with me? <laughs> All right, should we give them a break? All right, let's give them a break. Thank you guys. You can take a seat. Take these with you. These are yours now. This would be great for lunch. Believe it or not, this is where French fries come from. All right, so then, Nathaniel, you can take yours too. Can we give them one more round of applause? Thanks for helping me, Dylan. Brother Lawrence didn't leave his, tax, his task to go and pray. Rather, he prayed through the heart of his business. He conversed with God moment by moment, remembering him with each dirty pot, an unwashed plate, an unpeeled potato. I know this never happens at our church, and I'm so thankful for it, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pose a hypothetical situation that happens sometimes in some churches. But sometimes in some churches, People come up to me after, after a service or, or come up to me after the shepherds and, and, and they say things like, you know, today I, during our worship service, I was, I was, man, I was right there with God. We were so connected. I was, I was perfect in his presence until the pastor, he just preached way too long. I was, I was right there with God's presence, but then we had, you know, there was just too many announcements. And then that baby started crying, and that, that song was too loud. The worship leader's skinny jeans, they were just too tight. I love you, Philip. I don't know where you are. We would ne- hypothetically, we would never hear this. You know, or we, we, had, a, we had a perfect, quiet communion time and all of a sudden you played that video and it just ruined it for me and what are you saying what's at the heart of all of these comments I was in the presence of God and you ruined it I was in the presence of God and I got distracted I wish brother Lawrence worked for our church because I would send all those people to talk to him what would you say what would he say right Would he challenge your religious practice? Would he challenge your idea of, if I do this and, and the, the temperature and this is, and, and the music is really good and the preacher's really short then, and, and only then can I enter the presence of God, only if, if, if things are perfectly lined up and everything is exactly as it should be. Would he challenge the way you think about the presence of God Would he challenge your your routine and invite you into something simpler? The tragedy of North American Christianity is that deep, meaningful, life-altering relationship, connection, shikana with Jesus Christ is available to us in each and every moment of the day. Yet many of us know him only as kids from a divorced family. We spend weeks of time away from him only to meet him briefly for a few moments on a weekend. Talk about lives out of rhythm. When was the last time you entered the of God? How many songs did it take? Did you kind of have to get warmed up first? How often do you return to God's presence and, and remain there? What would happen if you lived like God was right next to you every moment of the day? Not as a chastising father with his finger out, but a loving, caring, compassionate friend. What would happen if you trained your thoughts to constantly without ceasing think on consider converse with him even through your mundane task even while stuck in traffic? What would happen to the worries you carry so heavily? What would happen to your fears and anxieties? How would it affect your spirit the next time you visit a hospital? Would you would you still think sitting in traffic as as a waste of time? would your life somehow feel lighter or freer or less rigid full of movement and what about your priorities if we considered god with us right now in this moment but but not in just this moment but work to maintain that in every moment how would that change our priorities one of the great sadnesses that I'm coming to realize about North American Christianity, even, even my own faith, in Nashville, it's epidemic, is the incredible apathy most of us have towards those who do not know Jesus. I, I confess my own sin in this. You know, we, we regret that our friends and neighbors aren't, aren't a part of a church or aren't connected to the life of Jesus, aren't following His ways. You know, we, we kind of We're kind of bummed about it. But really, we're not overly concerned. What was really happening in all those morning quiet times and Bible studies and and early morning coffee prayer times? If your heart wasn't somehow broken for what God's heart was broken for. This hit me big time this week. I, was, uh, I, I went to visit some folks that they don't have a faith, and you guys don't know, so this isn't related to us, but they don't have a faith, and they're really struggling, and, and, and I went to visit them, and turns out they weren't even, they weren't even home. And I was I was driving home, man, I, all of a sudden, my heart just broke for them. Like, man, what... What's, what's going on with us? What's going on with 10 million churches in Nashville if our hearts aren't somehow broken for the people that God's heart is broken for? And, and is it somehow possible to spend time in the chicana of God and somehow remain apathetic to his mission here on earth? Can you genuinely spend time in the presence of God without somehow absorbing his values, sharing, sharing his heartache, taking in his deep, deep concern for those who don't know him. Man, maybe we need to reevaluate our time in his presence. Because I know this, and, and you'll see this more and more, this is these kind of emotions and feelings are driving us as a church. God's really drawing us into this. And I don't say this to make you feel guilty or, or, or anything like that. But it, God is drawing this church into a deeper kind of discipling relationships, where we care about the lost. We, we're we're sharing faith with the with those who don't know Jesus. That when you pass them you don't just it's not just another day but man there's something in us is, is, is waking up I hope that's happening in you I think that's happening in our church like, like something is waking up and and I, I know this when I see a heart that begins to break for those in their community who don't know Jesus I know that is someone who is walking in chicana right? I know that is someone who is experiencing on a deeply meaningful and consistent level, the presence of God. So, um, doesn't matter if you're praying a hundred times a day. If it's not somehow drawing us deeper into a relationship, deeper into a connection that God is here and we are, we are to fulfill his will in this place and, and somehow embody his values. If, if you're praying 100 times a day and that's somehow not happening, your life isn't being changed or transformed, then, then it's not enough. Until we can perpetually place ourselves in the shekinah of God, our lives, our cravings will never be satisfied you know, we talked about a rhythm of work, and we talked about a rhythm of rest, but there is no rhythm we've talked about that is more likely to disturb and disrupt and challenge and affect the rhythm of your everyday life than this rhythm of prayer, this rhythm of shekinah. This rhythm that, that practices an active awareness of God in each and every moment. Love what Brother Lawrence said. He just simply said, he said, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. So today I invite you to something simpler. To to turn your thoughts somehow to, to turn your attention toward God to converse with him through each and every moment of the day, peeling potatoes, practice thinking about him there with us, um, taking out the trash, speaking with your wife, and likely there will be moments. Uh, Richard Foster, the great author of, of the, the Celebration of Discipline, following Brother Lawrence's example, he, he applied himself to this practice, of the practice of the presence of God for an entire year. And, and what he said was, was pretty incredible. He said, honestly, there was, there was, there was times that I failed, times that I, that I failed at this to contemplate God, to consider him, that I failed for hours and days at a time. It, it, was, it was a discipline. It was something I had to practice. But each time I failed, I just found myself bringing back. I always just came back to re- consider him again, to remember him again, to think on him again, to dwell in him again. And he said, it changed my day as I would drive to work. I would wonder, if are those birds, is that God speaking to me in those clouds? I began to contemplate and think of God in everything, in every activity of the day. And he said uh, in his writings, in his, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he said, what changed in me was suddenly now uh, an incredible awareness of when and how God was speaking to me in this frequency. And he said, when he would show up at a worship service, he would It was filled with expectation every single time. He said, I had heard God speak to me, reveal himself to me. I'd spent all of this time with God throughout the week. Sunday was just another day of filled with expectation of being in God's presence. And he said, I learned to discern the voice of God, (laughs) to separate that voice from all the other voices in our world. So I invite you to something simpler, to turn your thoughts, your attention toward God, to converse with him through each and every moment of the day, to embrace the very words of Jesus when he said, I will be with you always. I invite you to, in the best way you can, to picture him always at your side, I invite you to never stop praying, to practice the presence of God. And now is a great opportunity we're going to enter into a time of communion and we have the table set up around the room filled with emblems of Jesus' own body and blood. So right now in these few moments, whether it's quiet or I don't, honestly, I don't know if the band's going to play or not, but whatever happens, now is your time again to be drawn into that place. But not just this moment, but every moment. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the, the promises that he made, the, the, the sacrifice that he made, the life that, that through him we can now have and enter into. Father God, I thank you for his body and his blood poured out for us. And God, I, I pray today that as we pour ourselves into your word, that, that we, we somehow... In, in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way, embrace the promises that, that rise off the page. Father God, that, that we enter into this kind of relationship with you that, that's constant, uh, not, not start and stop, even though there may be some of that. And, and Father God, maybe some of us even here this morning are struggling because it's been a long, long time since we've spent any meaningful time in your presence but Father God, you call us back to that place again now, even this morning. Now's your chance. Now is our opportunity, Father God, to spend time with you. To think about you, to consider you. And Father God, maybe there are people here today that that don't have a faith. They, they don't know what it was like. And and if you spoke to them, they wouldn't understand that your words. They, they wouldn't know how to discern your voice. So, Father God, man, if there's a way that, that, that you can open them up, if there's ways that we as a church can help others who, who don't know you to somehow come into your presence, if, if God, if we can practice your presence in, in real tangible ways and, and let that affect the, the very patterns of our lives so that others see and can be drawn not to us but to you, Father God, fill us with with that. Help us in the ways that we failed. Help us to pray without ceasing to see you in every moment, whether it's peeling potatoes or driving to the office. Father God, to live with that kind of awareness is powerful and life-changing. It changed the rhythm of everything that's going on in our life. Father God, I pray specifically for the lost, for those who don't know you. God, our community is filled. My own neighbors on our street, God, they don't know you. Help, uh, help something in us to, to change, to be open to share in our faith. I know it's scary and frightening. I know it's something we all kind of agree we should be doing, but don't, many of us don't know how to begin. Father God, even that we place before you, ask for guidance ask for your help. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus. As we enter into this time of communion, we remember him. As we enter into this time of of your continued presence, we thank you. And in your son, Jesus' name, everyone together says,